There is a form of healing ministry called Unbound, which I, I came to know a couple of years ago, a good couple of years ago now. And uh, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, there isn't time. Uh, but there's what it aims to do, what it aims to do is to recognize within us where we have left doors or windows open to the enemy, basically, in that, like, if we're baptized, in our in virtue of our baptism, we belong to Christ, you belong to Christ, okay, you belong to Christ. Well, then how on earth is there all this, you know, evil in the world? I mean, in Ireland, we're all baptized, and yet things go wrong, people commit sins, what, what happened? Where, where did it fall apart? We belonged to Christ in virtue of our baptism, but then shortly thereafter, like, you know, we don't stay, you don't stay a saint for, we're, we're, we're baptized as children, so it's a bit easier, but... Uh, it doesn't just immediately like, change your habits or change your mentality. Or ha- Why, though? How? So, in this un- un- Unbound ministry, uh, Unbound uh, Healing Ministry aims to, to, to recognize uh, maybe the, the different lies that we have believed about ourselves, the different uh, areas where we've heard or experienced something that hurt us, but we believed it. And then it leaves us this wound, and then once there's a wound, once there's a, an injury, once there's a crack, that's what the enemy focuses on. So someone calls you useless or um, ugly or you'll, you'll never amount to anything. And then the voices just continue saying, yeah, no one cares about you. No one will miss you. You'll never be anything. You'll never be, you'll never be anything important. You'll never be anything at all. You don't matter. But it's okay. It's okay. You have me. You hear the strangest things when you, when you work with people. They, they, I remember talking to a girl once who had a, an eating disorder. And... Uh, she said, uh, we were just talking about, again, see, when someone has an eating disorder, the solution isn't just to tell them to eat. Like, it's, the, there's, there's a reason behind their, their eating disorder, and that's what you have to, to work on before. Uh, the, the not eating is a symptom of, of, of a deeper wound. And uh, so she was describing this, this, this eating disorder, and uh, just when she feels low, she said, just when, I, when I'm down and when I'm feeling useless, he is always there for me. I said, sorry, who? Oh, yeah, the, the eating disorder. She actually had personified it, right? So this, this thing was now, uh, like, it, it accompanied her almost like a person did. Now, if that's not a spiritual influence, I don't know what is. But anyway, so we're aiming to close those doors, to, to, to renounce those lies, and take authority over those spirits uh, that have in some way uh, influenced us or affected us. There's also, like, you know, Obviously, it starts with, with, with confession. I recognize what I've done wrong, and I also forgive those who've hurt me. But the goal of it all, the goal of it all, is the Father's love. So the goal of all this kind of healing ministry is, is the Father's love, to receive the Father's embrace. And I love that. Because it's, it just, it just, it's such a wonderful, if you will, kind of summary of, of our journey as Christians. You know, the, the mess of our lives and the confusion and the sin and the reconciliation. And, and then at the end, you've just got the, 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 the peace and the tranquility and the serenity of the Father's embrace. You're safe. One aspect I want to just, just hone, hone in on today is one particular, as they call it, one particular injury or wound. So one particular spirit, in, in, in unbound vocabulary, they call it a... Uh, a spirit, right? And that is the spirit of an orphan spirit, they call it. So obviously everyone 
whether you want to or not, we all have two biological parents. No way around that. <clears throat> and to be a parent, as in to father a child, or mother a child, well, fathering a child is really, really easy. It's like it's, it's you know, it doesn't take any effort at all, really. And then done, voila, you're dad. Um, but as in bringing a child into the world, being a biological father doesn't require much effort at all. Fathering a child as one should, as in being a dad to your child, that's a different world altogether. That involves self-sacrifice and effort and consistency and virtue and love. Uh, that, 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 that involves self-sacrifice. That involves you not being the center of your life anymore. That's, it's, that's a whole different world. As I said, being a biological father, you know, you know how it works, uh, but it's not, there isn't much to it. Okay. Uh, but being a father to a child is a different world altogether. It's, it, it's much, much more difficult, obviously. So that distinction isn't often made, if I'm honest. And, you know, being a dad or being around or not being around, what, what difference does it make anyway? It makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world. Because so many people grow up with this kind of orphan spirit. So what does that mean? It means that, yes, you have biological parents, but you don't feel fathered. And in some cases, they don't feel fathered or mothered. Or they don't feel mothered. They, they don't feel that, that these people who brought them into the world actually love them enough to, to take care of them, to be consistent with them, to, to sacrifice themselves for them, to do something apart from just maybe throw money at them just to you know, satisfy their, their wants, their needs, their hobbies. But that's not what they wanted. They want presence, P-R-E-S-C-N-C-E, as opposed to P-R-E-S-C-N-T-S. They don't want presence, they want presence. It's easier to read that one than, than say it, yeah. They don't want presents, gifts. They want presence, Dasein, you being there. They want you to be there. So many children grow up without that. So then they have this, this orphan spirit. And why am, I, why am I saying all of this? There is a point, there really is, there is a point. I'm saying all of this because the enemy, Satan, he orphaned himself from God. He separated himself from God and is absolutely, literally, hell-bent on making sure that we experience the same thing, that we are orphaned from God. So his goal is to separate us from God as Father, separate us from God. And so he'll drive any wedge, anything he can find, any weakness at all in you, any shadow of doubt, any insecurity, uh, any loss that you've experienced, if it's, if it's grief or just failure or, or, or illness, anything he can find, he will try to use it as a wedge to get between your heart and the Father's heart. He will try to separate you from God, and he'll try to separate you from God as Father particularly. Separate you from God as creative energy, I don't think he really cares, but he will try to separate you, separate you from God as Father. He wants you to be an orphan too just like he is. He wants to pull you down into the misery of the place that he is and to experience that, that, that emptiness just as him. He wants you to be as miserable as he is. And it's, it's a horrible reality. When you think about it, like when you lay it out like that, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible reality, but it's, it's the truth. But it's also good to know the tactics of the enemy because then we know what he's, if we know what he's aiming for, we know where to defend ourselves. I often imagine, you know, Caravaggio's picture of the call of Levi, the call of Matthew, today's gospel. 
And uh, Jesus is in this crowded room and he points over to Matthew and Matthew points to, back to himself. They're all, it's all reclining and dramatic, you know, typical Caravaggio. Like, so it's all, Matthew's like, me? And Jesus is like, you. <laughs> it's just, it's all, <laughs> it's all very dramatic chiaroscuro stuff going on. Um, but, but you can just see Matthew's face, like, and, and it's, just, it's very expressive, like, because he's like, you can't, you can't mean me. And I, I, I just, I, I love that reaction, as opposed to saying, well, finally, <laughs> finally he called me. He's looking at me, he looks at himself and goes, you, 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 can't, you can't mean me. Matthew, you see, Matthew had everything. Matthew had influence, Wealth, security. He had everything that, if you will, the enemy would promise him would make him happy. But he was empty. He was hated by his own people because he worked for an occupying force and took taxes off them and was more than likely dishonest because the people were more or less illiterate. So he could defraud them, they'd never know. So he stole from his old people, worked for, as I say, an occupying force. Uh, As regards to the Jewish faith, then, I mean... You know, they're supposed to lend and not take back interest in return. So this was all just, you know, as regards to the faith, as regards to culture, everything. He was hated by everyone. So he had everything except love. He had everything except love. He had everything except God. God who is love. And what Jesus asks him, you see, it's, it's, such, it's such a simple question. It's so easy to say, follow me. In Italian, it's only one word. So say with me. It's probably some, I don't know what it is. It's probably the same in Latin and I don't know what it was in Aramaic. But it's one or two words. Very, very simple expression. Follow me. But what he's asking here, and I think what Matthew understood, was that he's asking you to leave your security. He's asking you to leave the safety net. He's asking you to take a step out and you don't have a way back. It's like the rich young man, you know, comes to, to, to the Lord and says, Lord, I've obeyed all these commandments from my youth. What must I do? One thing you lack. Sell everything you own. Come follow me. Leave the safety net. Leave the security. Don't kind of follow me. But sure, if things don't work out, I can just go back. Follow me 100%. Give everything. Like, allow me, as Jesus, allow, allow me to lead you back to the Father. And securities that you thought you had, you don't need them. But allow me to lead you back. So even in the church, like allow, to allow the Lord to lead us back to the heart of the Father. And for all of those who have experienced uh, that, that fatherlessness or that motherlessness or that orphan spirit, to allow the Lord to lead us back, it, it, it requires what we would consider risk. Stepping out, doing something we haven't done before, doing something new doing something different, and doing something that, that again, in, in, this, in the fear of our own hearts, we think might cause us to lose. But if we don't step out, we stay in that place, not recognizing God as our Father. We stay in that place of misery. We stay in that place of constant temptation and those constant influences trying to pull us down and pull us from the heart of the Father. So it's actually not as big a risk as we think. Following the Lord is not as big a risk as we think. In fact, I would argue it's not a risk at all. The risk is not following. The risk is staying in our misery, staying where we are now because it feels familiar. And maybe it feels secure. So maybe even it feels safe, even though I know I'm not happy. This feels at least, this is where I'm used to being. 
as opposed to going over there and I'd have no idea what's over there. So I'll just stay where I am. But it's the Lord calling. It's the Lord's gentle, but firm carpenter hand pointing to you, saying, follow me. The Father and I are one. We follow the Lord. He's leading us back to the heart of the Father. And that's, that's the meaning of life. That's what it's all about. That's what everything, everything we do, that's what it's all for in the end. To get back to union with the, with the Father. So we ask the Lord today for a renewed faith. For a renewed desire for that unity with the Father's heart. We ask for a renewed simplicity and docility that when the Lord calls, we won't sit and hum and haw and reflect for endless ages, but that we'll simply do what he asks because we trust him. And when he asks us to leave our safety net behind, that we will. Because the greatest risk is not following God. The greatest risk is remaining an orphan. Amen.